Welcome back. Um, so today we actually have a really exciting episode. Our friend Andrea is here. Um, she's done a lot of school. She was in <laughs> medical science. Um, it was pharmacy, right? Pharmacology. Pharmacology, like grad school, and now she's in law school. So we have lots of questions for her today. Anyway, we're just very excited to have her. So um, Andrea, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, for sure. So, as mentioned, my name is Andrea. Uh, I started at Dal right out of high school, and I did my undergrad in medical sciences. Uh, after that, I decided to do a master's degree again at Dal um, in pharmacology. Um, and right now, I'm actually in my first year of law school again here at Dal. <laughs> so, I'm a bit of a Dal lifer, I guess you could say. Um, so, I have a bit of experience in a little bit of everything, so grad school, professional school, undergrad. I'm really excited to be on the podcast. We're so excited to have you. Um, so I guess the first question, why Dal? Are you from around here? Yeah, so I'm from Cape Breton. Uh, so Dal was kind of a logical step for me. Really, I was considering staying at home and going to Cape Breton University or moving away. And if I moved away, the only one I really considered was Dal. Mm -hmm. um, my mom went to Dal too, so that was a little <laughs> bit of um, a factor. Um, but yeah, I was really interested in the medical science program, and that's why I chose Dal. Cool. We can attest to that. We can, <laughs> we can agree. Um, so did you finish your med sci degree before you went into pharmacology? Yeah, so um, I finished my four years. I did an honors uh, in med sci, and with my honors project, I actually completed it in the same lab that I did my master's in. So my honors was in a pharmacology lab, um, and that's kind of what pushed me to decide to do my master's in that same lab. Okay. I have a question. Did you, like, throughout undergrad, were you always like, oh, I think I want to do master's, or were you considering, like, med school and other things like that? Like, when did you know that you wanted to do master's? I feel like in my first and second year, I was still very much, I want to go to med school. <laughs> and I yeah. think <laughs> towards the end of my second year and then going into my third year, I was kind of coming to the realization that maybe I just did not want to do that and it wasn't for me. Um, so I actually enrolled in the experiential learning course in third okay. year um, to try and see if I liked doing lab work and like research. Um, and I started in, in the lab that I then continued on in. So that's kind of how I dipped my toe in and decided that I wanted to do research rather than, say, med school or something else. We're throwing you back really far here. <laughs> um, so just experiential learning. We have lots of questions about yeah. research on here. So um, did how did you find your supervisor, if um, you remember? <laughs> yeah, I just emailed so many people. <laughs> yeah. um, I remember I signed up for the course in the fall semester, and I did that kind of strategically. So the fall semester of third year, because I knew that if I liked the lab, then I could say like, oh, well, I'll just stick around and volunteer. And like that might help nice. open doors to get like a summer position Smart. or an honors position so I picked the fall semester for that reason but really I just sent cold emails to probably like 20 or 25 profs <laughs> yeah. and only like three or four ended up getting back to me yeah. um yeah did you stay like for volunteering and then work there throughout the summer too before your honors yeah so I did experiential learning fall of third year and then I volunteered fall of or winter of third year um, and then I got a USRA to work that summer cool. in the lab, and then I did my honors there. And then I worked again the summer between fourth year and starting my master's in the fall, okay. and then okay. continued on for the two years of my master's. 
Was that the only lab you were ever in, or did you? Yeah. Others? So that was the only lab, but I was there for four years. Wow. So yeah. the same length that some PhD students are there, <laughs> I just like shifted mine down into yeah, undergrad. Yeah. yeah. It's actually crazy now that you say it like that. My <laughs> client. Um, what like type of work were you doing in the lab? I'm sure there's an array, but like if you could like compact it into like a synopsis of your lab work. Yeah. I'm so curious now. I did a lot of like cell culture stuff. So I was growing different types of cells in the incubator. And then I was doing a lot of cell-based assays that looked at like cell viability and like cytotoxicity. So I had a bunch of different drugs. A lot of them were related to or were compounds that were found in the cannabis plant. So like THC, CBD, but then like terpenes and other kinds of compounds. And I would treat my cells with those drugs and see if they were able to kill them. And my cells were breast cancer cells. That's really cool. That's yeah. really cool. <laughs> I'm glad I asked that. Okay. <laughs> okay, so so was it third year then that you decided, like, yeah, master's, or were you still, like... I think, like, first semester, third year, when I first got into the lab, I was just kind of like, okay, this is cool, I like it, whatever. And I think by the time that I was working there in the summer, and I was there, like, more often and more full-time, um, and getting to do more and, like, learn more... That I decided that I really liked research and I wanted to kind of move forward with that rather than um, med school. I guess I also I kind of decided before I didn't write my MCAT yeah. and I didn't really plan on it. So I guess maybe internally yeah. I decided it was like before, but yeah. So like at the start of your fourth year, is that like kind of when you start applying for a master's? Like how does that whole application process work? Yeah, so I personally didn't actually apply to the program until maybe March because I vividly remember doing the application during COVID lockdown. So it was like March 2020, but I did apply for funding and scholarships in the fall of my fourth year. Okay. So I had actually secured funding um, through like CAHR for my master's before I even applied to the program. Okay. Um, but I did at that point have a supervisor, so right. that was kind of half the battle. Right. I feel like this may be a dumb question, but I have no idea how grad school works. So the funding you're talking about, yeah. is that so you're getting paid to do your master's or is that for tuition? So it's a little bit of both. Um, so you apply for the funding and I know CIHR funding is like 17500 or something like that for one year. Um, and then you would have to apply for additional funding for the second year of your program. Um, but the way that it works is essentially that will cover the tuition, which is typically less than undergrad. And then the leftover becomes your stipend. So you get paid a certain amount per month. Um, yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Do you mind if I ask you how much that is? Don't feel like you need to answer it, um, though. That's it interesting. Was, yeah, it was different in the first year of my master's and the second. The first year, um, the tuition is a little bit more. You take I had to take two classes, and that was kind of raised in the first year. And then after that, you just pay what's called a continuing fee. So the tuition's a lot less. It would be like if you're in a PhD, the first year's a lot, and then the next, like, two, three, four are less. Um I'm trying to think back. I know the first year I think I was getting like maybe $900 a month. And the second year I was maybe getting closer to $1,300 a month. That's um, nice. Yeah, so it wasn't too bad. It was much better than nothing. Yeah, I was say, exactly. Especially coming from undergrad, but yeah. it's just a lot of nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so maybe changing gears here a bit. It might be a little bit premature, but I'm curious. So you really liked research in your third year. Yeah. And then you went into your master's. And then you didn't like it anymore. Yeah, so I think 
I think maybe it was just that I, I felt like my projects were not that my projects weren't important. I think they're so important. <laughs> but I, I went into grad school thinking like, oh, I'm going to do something that's going to like, something's going to change. I'm yeah. going to do something, not big, <laughs> but like make a difference in that way. And I think right. that's why I wanted to go to research rather than med was mm-hmm. that med, you can help individual people. But I thought with research, maybe you're making a little bit of like a bigger Mm-hmm. More, more, a more wide yeah. reach. You contribute um, to science. Yes. <laughs> um, and I think I, not that my dreams were crushed a little bit, <laughs> but they were um, when I came to the realization of like, that's not real life. Um, and really, everyone's research is just a tiny little piece and yeah. probably is not really ever going to amount to much. Um, I just found it a little discouraging um, and kind of realizing that more of what I wanted to do was kind of like I was really interested in the social like societal aspects about my research and not so much like the day-to-day in the lab with my cells and pipetting and all of that um so that's kind of why I shifted gears a little bit that makes a lot of sense so that led you to law school how did you (laughs) end up there it did so I took a class that I was required to take for part of my master's called advanced pharmacology. And essentially, we just had like little units from different uh, areas and different professors. And we had a couple lectures from a professor at the law school. And he was talking about things like uh, patent law and things like that and like drug pricing. And I found that super interesting. Uh, So I, I talked to him a little bit about it. And that's kind of what like flipped the switch for me about <laughs> thinking about uh, law school. So then I did a lot of my own research, looking into like jobs that would be available and things like that. But that's kind of where things made a turn. Was me. it Professor Herger by any chance? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 He taught us in for like he, he came for like one I think one lecture. Yeah. Yeah. Third year from yeah he's very good. Yeah. Yes. And he he actually mentioned he was like I have a student or like a student <laughs> in pharmacology masters that went into law school and I was like I'm pretty sure he's <laughs> talking about you. But I, <laughs> I I actually ran into him at the law school. Uh, in the fall, I didn't tell him that I was actually going to go to law school, so I ran into him uh, in the stairwell, and he was like, oh, what, what, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I go here now. <laughs> Very confused, but it was good. Uh, but yeah. Um, okay, so do you mind if I ask you, okay, so masters, I'm assuming there's like, you need good grades to get in, like they're not just going to give funding yeah. to everyone. Um, so how were your grades like in undergrad? Uh, my grades in undergrad were pretty good. I had above a four on a on a four point three, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like really helped, but I don't think was completely necessary. Um, I know doing the um, CIHR application for funding, so it's called CGSM Masters, is what it is. There's a bunch of different criteria, and academic excellence is one of them. But they also really look at research potential. Mm-hmm. So if you have a lot of research experience going in that you can fill out on that application that also helps a lot too so it's not just like a grades-based evaluation for funding they do consider kind of research potential and if you have either previous publications or if you have good reference letters from research supervisors that's a big help did it matter that like the research you were doing was in the same field that you were like applying in the, for a master's in, or do you think it would matter if they were from different fields and you're still applying for? I don't think it necessarily would have mattered, um, but you do need 
um, the supervisor you'll have for your master's, they have to write kind of like a statement of support. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you could translate to them and talk to them about your previous research right. and they were kind of confident in it, I'm sure they could write a in your statement of support something that was right. more glowing and supportive, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So CGSM, is that just like, is that general or is that specific for pharmacology? No, it's just general. general so right? that would be yeah. anything health-related or health-related. Similar, so like NSERC it's is like more NSERC. engineering, mm-hmm. chem, right. things like that. Mm-hmm. This was more like health discipline related. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. Okay, so after you decided that law school <laughs> yeah. was the plan, so grades for law school... Do they take your master's and your undergraduate, just your undergraduate, and how were your grades in your master's? Yeah, so I can speak to at least Dow Law grades. So the average admittance for Dow Law is a 3.7 on a 4.3. And then looking at LSAT scores, they say the average, I think, is a 160 to a 164. Um, That's their range. Sorry, what's that on the scale? Like, what's the maximum? The maximum is 180. Okay, so okay. Um, yeah, and the average LSAT score is 150. Okay, so, so above you, average, yeah, above so average. above average. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. no, it's law. <laughs> I know they do look at your undergrad grades, and Dal says they do consider like master's grades, but I don't think they necessarily put it in the calculation. I think they just like really? look at it holistically. Oh, okay. um, I know in my sense, it probably wouldn't have mattered much. I had two classes in my master's, oh, so okay. like it didn't really change my GPA at all um, or have a really big effect. So personally, I, I don't know if they considered it in the calculation or not, because I think it just would have been pretty much the same anyways. Um, but if you had, say, like a course-based master's degree, maybe they would take that into consideration. Do you know the average age of acceptance for law school with Dell, at least? I sorry, think it's a bit of an I don't know if it's the average age of acceptance, but I think the average age in law school is 25. So maybe the average age of acceptance would be then 24. Mm. Right. Um, just because it's a three-year program. Um, so there does tend to be some people that are, like, maybe have worked for four or five years and are in my class. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also people that are right out of undergrad. And Dal even accepts people with three years of an undergrad degree. So there's some people in my class that are as young as, say, 21. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. some people have been, like, working professionals for years and have come right. back to school. So it's a bit of a mix. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, so I guess speaking on the, like, wider range of people, um, especially coming from such, like, a science background and, like, especially med-sci, like, mm-hmm. pre-med competition, <laughs> how is the difference between competition especially in like a pre-med program compared to law? like, So it's still competitive, but it's competitive in a different way, I think. So everyone is in the program and you've already gotten in, right. but the way that the grading works at law school is it's graded on a scale. So you're graded relative to oh, your peers. Oh, really? Oh, um, oh, so that's the average uh, grade is a B in a class. So I have a class of 60 people, mm-hmm. the same 60 people all year. Um, and within that, the grading scale is posted online for Dow Law, um, if anyone wanted to look it up. Um, but the way it works is there's certain percentages um, for each letter grade. Um, so I think it's something like 10 to 20% of people in the class can get an A, 40 to 60 can get a B, and then 15% have to get a C, and then zero to 10 or a D, things like that. Oh, so the okay. average is a seven is typically like a 70 to a 72. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but that being said, 
it's kind of a mindset of like everyone gets a B, so everything's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, but it's more competitive when you're thinking about applying for jobs because people want the best grades to have on their resume to apply right. to law firms. Yeah. That being said, like having a B applying to a job is not bad. Yeah. Like law firms know that law schools are graded on a curve. Right. They know that and they know what the curve is. So having all Bs and a B plus and maybe an A, that's actually really good. Yeah. That's not looked as like, if you have a C, that's also not hurting you getting the job either. Right. Um, the grades get you in the door for the interview, but at that point. Right. Yeah. That's so it can create a bit of a competitive mindset. But from what I've heard and what I've experienced, DAL in particular um, is a lot better than some other schools in Canada for that. That's crazy. That, like, made my heart sink the entire time you were talking about that. <laughs> I was so ready for you to be like, yep. It's fine, like, finally, I'm out of it. It's just so easy. No. That's... I mean, I guess it's just different, right? Yeah, yes. it's just different. And I will say, like, going in, everyone thinks, oh, my gosh, the curve is going to hurt me. It's going to pull down all my grades. The curve doesn't hurt you. The curve brings your grades up, honestly. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The curve helps. Uh, I just got my grades back from my first semester, mm-hmm. and every prof pretty much said when the grades came out that every single person in the class benefited from the curve. Mm. So um, it does help. It's just things are graded differently and there's just no way you're going to get 100 on a law school exam the same way that you could on a science exam. It's just the way it's written and the way you study for it are different. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just different. Did you find it hard to like go from like learning science and all these science-based courses into learning law like I feel like they're very different disciplines or maybe they're not I don't know did you struggle with that they are yeah um but they're also similar in some ways like there's a lot more reading that I have to do now compared to science where I would show up to the lectures do my notes and then study afterwards right this is a lot more preparing before class so doing all the readings before class Mm -hmm. showing up taking notes and then kind of condensing them closer to exams and practicing how to use the material rather than remembering it. Right. Um, But aside from reading, I think a lot of the stuff is pretty logical. And um, I find science, the science background helps you with like being more concise. Mm -hmm. We're used to writing like lab reports and things like that and method sections of papers, which are very to the point and you don't want extra words and you don't want to elaborate too much. And I think that that works well for law school. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people coming from, say, an arts program are used to writing a little bit more, mm-hmm. like, with a little more flourish. Um, <laughs> I definitely don't have any flourish in my writing, but I can write concise, so that's helpful. Yeah. Whereas they have the benefit of having the background of doing all that reading and being quicker at that. So right. it kind of, it balances out. Um, I think everyone has different strengths coming from different programs. It's really interesting to yeah. see. I'm glad that you put it that way because I... I never would have thought of it like that. Like, I, mm, well, I for one, can't read fast. I was going <laughs> to ask you about, um, like, speed reading. I know it's a thing. Do you do it? Um, I don't think I speed read in the sense, like, of what people think of as, like, stereotypical <laughs> speed reading where they have, like, the technique to skim. I definitely don't do that. I just read normally. <laughs> um, but my reading has gotten quicker um, over the last semester, which I've it's like very noticeable now when I do readings and I'm like, wow, that took me way less time, mm-hmm. which is nice. Uh, at the same time, the readings are getting longer. So <laughs> it's taking me the same amount of time to do my work, but I'm getting more done, I guess. Yeah. But 
It's so funny, just a little side note, since, like, I forget what class it was, but we had to start doing all these readings, and I never realized how slow, (laughs) how slow of a reader I am, and there's, like, TikToks that come up on my page, and it's just, like, if you have to, if you have to, like, think about every single word when you're reading it, then you're a slow reader, and I was, like, how am I supposed to read? (laughs) Like, mm. Anyway, sorry, a little bit of an aside. mm. Yeah, I feel like it would definitely be a skill that, like, you just get better at over time. Because, like, everyone knows how to read, but, like, there's a difference between reading something and then, like, reading a paper and, like, what to pick out and what you need to know and stuff like that. And not taking four hours to do so. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we had um, some questions from our Instagram. I'm going back to the the, um, graduate master studies. Um, So what did you do in grad school? You already answered that. Um, what can you do with a master's degree? That was a big question. Um, there's like a bunch of things you can do with a master's degree. Uh, you can work at a biotech company. I know a couple people that have done things like that, um, where they're doing research, but in industry. Um, you can also work uh, for the government. So um, the National Research Council and places like that hire people with master's degrees um, to work as research technicians and things like that. Um, you can do another professional degree. Uh, you could go on to do a PhD. Mm-hmm. You could also still work in academia, work in a lab, work as a lab manager, anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, but I think it's really interesting to think about what other jobs you could do because the skills are transferable, not in science. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find often people limit thinking of like they have to work in another lab capacity somehow. Um, but really, you get a lot of project management skills in your master's and things like that. So I don't think you're fully limited to just working in like a science research capacity. I think you can kind of leverage those skills in other ways, whether it be like in a business context or something like that. Um, they're still useful. That's yeah, amazing. That's really good. I've never heard it put like that before. So. Mm-hmm. Lots of, lots of manage well, so planning your experiments, planning everything out, right. organizing it, doing it, doing the background research, writing up proposals, writing up documents, writing up, rep- like, finalized reports, all of that is really, like, that's managing, you're managing your projects, so yeah. project management skills, but you're also, <laughs> you're writing things, so you could do, like, scientific writing mm-hmm. moving forward from that, cool. or, Yeah. Okay, I have some more questions about law school. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, did you have to take any other courses before applying to law school, or was MedSci fine? Yeah, no. So there's no actual prerequisite classes. No um, you just need an undergraduate degree, and at Dal, you actually only need three years of an undergraduate right. degree. Yeah, it's consistent with the medical school, Dal. Dal, Dal takes third years, right out of third year, if you, if you apply, and I guess if you meet their expectations. Yeah, yeah, but I've never um, heard anything that doesn't need any prereqs. That's cool. That, that's, that's, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. You don't need to take, like, an English class or anything like that. Oh, so there's amazing. people from wow. all kinds of programs. Yeah, that's awesome. What's the most interesting one? Do you have a... <laughs> there's someone in my class that did a physics degree, so I think that's pretty cool. Oh, um, that is yeah, cool. she's very smart. I was going to say big yeah. brain. Like a lateral move. <laughs> yeah, cool. um, but there's actually quite a few science students. Like, I expected going in saying maybe like five ten percent like it's probably over 25 percent really there's a lot of science students a lot of political science students Mm. um english uh business i'm trying to think what are other common degrees like international development things like that yeah there's Mm. it's pretty much all all over the map engineering Um, oh that one's interesting 
I have a question, like, okay, sitting in, like, a med-sci perspective, mm -hmm. everyone's like, oh, like, if you want to go to med school, you have to do, like, volunteering and, like, research and all this stuff. Like, would you say that there's anything like that for law school that people, like, say, like, oh, you have to do this before you apply that, like, you did or didn't do? And, like, what would you say about that? I don't think there's anything specific you need to do to apply. Um, I think it all comes down to, so to apply to law school, you need a personal statement. Um, and then for Dal, they also, also ask you to provide, like, a list of, activities kind of similar as you would to med mm -hmm. um, but I don't think they're necessarily looking for one particular thing I think they're looking for you to be passionate about something yeah um, and kind of show that so my activities were all science related <laughs> I didn't yeah. have anything particularly legal related going in mm -hmm. um, but I could show that I was committed to doing things or that I was committed to being involved in my community mm -hmm. um, and things like that, and that really um, came through on my application, and I think they pr appreciated that. Mm -hmm. So I don't think they look for necessarily if you don't have a lot of volunteer hours, but maybe you've done something else that's really impactful, or you've worked at this job and you've gained a lot of skills, and you can kind of demonstrate how those that path led you to law school. I think that that works well too. I don't think there's maybe as much emphasis on your kind of extracurriculars as there is for med. Cool. How was the interview process like? So you got an interview. Is like, is it like anything crazy or? So there's actually no interviews for. Oh, oh. yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So you just apply, um, and Dal in particular has rolling admissions, so you can apply any time before. Oh, I don't want to mess up the date. I think <laughs> it's the end of February, um, if I'm not mistaken, or March first, um, and I think they open October or September 1st. So you can apply anytime, okay. um, but it is rolling admission. So obviously the earlier you apply, the better chance you have just because there's going to be more seats available. Right. Mm -hmm. But there are other schools. So I know Ontario applications, I think are due November 1st or October 1st. I don't know. They're due in the, the fall and there's an actual deadline mm -hmm. um, that's quite early. So yeah. you just have to look out for, the schools are very different. Um, and and do you know if the law school also has like uh, seats reserved for like Atlanta, Canada, um, what I've heard and what it says online is it's typically they look to fill about half the seats with Atlantic people from Atlantic Canada mm -hmm. okay. um, and then the half the other half they call like global seats so it's just oh. anyone oh. from the rest of Canada or anywhere oh internationally as well they take international yeah. oh, wow that's cool that is really interesting because mm. I've been looking into dentistry a lot and it's half um, Atlantic Canada um, Two seats are reserved for out of province, and then the rest are international students. Oh, really? I yeah. like the global thing. That's interesting. Yeah, they don't like restrict it as like this many people from Ontario, this many people from BC. It's just kind of like about half is from Atlantic, and then everyone else, I guess. But yeah, there's people from all over the country in my class. It's uh, Dallas seen as like a national law school, so they really attract like people from all over the country, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of nice to get to meet people. Yeah, and then really people cool. then leave and everyone's working across the country. So you have a lot of like connections and a good mm -hmm. network everywhere. That's cool. That's um, awesome. I have a question about like what type of law do you want to do when you are done or do you know? Um, so right now I'm really interested in patent law. So that's mm -hmm. what I was interested in going in. Um, so I actually did a job recruitment process in the fall and I have a job working at a law firm um, in Ottawa this summer nice. um, in their intellectual pro property department. 
So hopefully I really like it. Um, I'm looking forward to having that experience and trying it out. So um, hopefully it goes well and I like it. But yeah. as of right now, I still like it. I've had <laughs> one whole lecture in class <laughs> about intellectual property, but it's been good. You had one whole lecture. Um, so like for back of letter wor- better words, you have like co-op terms, like work terms? So there isn't actually an official co-op. Um, but we have the summers off. So people typically work the summer between first year and second year. So they call it 1L and 2L. They'll work that summer and then the summer between 2L and 3L. After you graduate, you article with um, a law firm. So that's like, you have to work at a firm for say nine to 10 months, depending on the province. Then you have to write your licensing exam and then you're officially a lawyer. But um, people will work in law firms most often after the second year summer, most people are trying to get a job in a law firm because that can then lead to getting the position after mm-hmm. they and graduate. How did, how did you do it? You said like you just like reach out? So or like... yeah, so different um, places in the country have different uh, recruitment timelines. So I know right now there's a big Atlantic recruit going on okay. for first year students. There's also a Toronto recruit going on for first year students. So it just depends like where you're trying to work mm-hmm. and when they decide to do the hiring process, but it's pretty formalized. So like all the firms are hiring at once and you apply to all of them and then the interviews are, oh. they all kind of happen in the same like five day span. It's a very kind of oh, wow. yeah formal process. And the, so the interviews all happen kind of around the same time and the offers all go out on the same day. Yeah. So do you look up, is, is this like one portal that you can apply to online or there's like actual different websites for each different? Um, depending on where you're applying. I know when I applied, it was all through one portal when oh, I applied in Ottawa. Cool. But I think in Atlantic Canada, you may have to individually email firms. Uh, I think it just depends like where you're mm-hmm. applying. Mm-hmm. They are such a good system for that. Like med school in Ontario, it's all one portal. Yeah. We, need to, we need to get on that. Like <laughs> they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a question about... I'm blanking. Oh, yes. May give you a little bit of PTSD, but um, the LSAT. <laughs> yes. Um, tell us about it. Um, the LSAT was, it was interesting. It was really different than any other test that I had taken. I didn't write the MCAT, but I know it's different than the MCAT. I think the part, CARS, is that the? No. Yeah. Okay, so CARS <laughs> is most like the LSAT. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so you're not. The LSAT, it's not like memorizing material and then answering questions about that material you studied. Mm-hmm. It's learning how to do things and then answering questions. So right. there's three different types of sections on it. So there's reading comprehension. So that's just reading passages and answering mm-hmm. questions, kind of like cars. Mm-hmm. Then there's logical reasoning. So you'll read shorter statements, like four or five lines long, and they ask you questions like, which statement will most strengthen this argument or which will most weaken or what's an argument with parallel reasoning or things like that. So it's very much like figuring out like our structures of arguments and different kinds of like logic. It's called logical reasoning. Um, And then the last section, which I found the most honestly fun is called logic games. So it's the type of puzzles where they say if, John went to the store on Tuesday and Mary went to the store on days that John didn't go to the store and Kate 
can only go to the store on Fridays and the day that Mary goes, like, what day did this person go to the store? And you have to figure <laughs> it out. So there are oh, puzzles cool. kind of like that, but you can learn strategies on how to do them where you can kind of diagram out right. all those different sentences and figure out what fits where. Mm-hmm. Um, so once it kind of clicks in your brain, then they're actually not too bad, but like learning them was a little bit difficult. Yeah. Um, so those are the three types of things on the LSAT. How was your studying? So first, when did you write it? You said during COVID? Yeah, so I wrote it twice. I wrote it in June of 2021 and August of 2021. So you can write them whenever, like, throughout the year? Yeah, so they're not every month, um, but I think they have, like, eight different testing sessions a year. Um, So I studied using prep books at home. I didn't take a course or anything like that. And I was studying while I was doing my master's. So I would just kind of study on the nights um, or weekends. Mm -hmm. And I started studying, I want to say, in maybe February. Um, And then I wrote in June. But I was not studying, like, that much. I was maybe studying for, like, 10 hours a week. Like, not a lot and then when it got closer to so I wrote in June so April May I w- was studying a lot more mm-hmm. um, but I think the focus when you're studying for the LSAT is yes you need to spend a lot of time going through the material and learning how to do things but the best thing to do is to do practice tests mm-hmm. and they have like a hundred practice tests nice. posted online that you have access to with your um, account that you use you have to pay for them but it's the account you use to write the LSAT it's mm-hmm. they're official tests um Mm -hmm. and that's like the best way to practice is to just do the tests because it's timed and the time constraint is the biggest problem with the LSAT Mm -hmm. and they know that so um practicing timed tests is how to get better how what would you say your biggest improvement was from the first time you took it to the next time like what was like was there anything that like you stood out to you that was better studying or like a better strategy or is it just learning how to do it over a longer period of time? I like from the first time I wrote the test to the second time, mm-hmm. I think it was honestly just my nerves of writing the test mm-hmm. because I felt prepared the first time I wrote it. Um, but it was written online, um, proctored. <laughs> so I wrote it from my bedroom in my apartment. And I think I was just so nervous about something like technically going wrong on my laptop that I just psyched myself out. Um, So when I decided to write it the second time, I don't think I necessarily did anything different. I just did more practice tests in between to kind of build that confidence. Um, Because when I got my score back the first time, it was like lower than my average score of my practice test so I knew I could do better so that's mm-hmm. why I chose to write it again uh, um, and it went better that's the good. next time yeah. awesome we'd like to hear improvements yeah we know about nerves around here okay <laughs> okay um so law school the application process you yeah. said that it was this one portal and then for like did you just apply to Dow or so the Ontario schools are all in one portal so there you you upload um like reference letters if they need them depending on the school you fill out um like similar i'm assuming to the autobiographical sketch kind of situation um you upload your personal statement and your grades um and then you submit there dal has their own portal so you just um, apply through dal online um and you just copy and paste 
your personal statement and your activities into like a box. Don't you hate that? Um, I've had to, I, oh, I and don't then like you get that. them to mail your reference letters in. Um, so that was a bit different. Schools, um, I also applied to a couple schools in BC and they also have their own portals, but they're not too difficult. They're pretty much all the same, like personal statement, mm-hmm. activities. Um, some schools do have you write like additional statements. Um, but it just depends on the school. Dow didn't have one. Is BC, like, are their grad schools, like, really good? I don't know how to say that better. My friend, who's also in law school, she, her only two options were was home and BC. So I've heard a lot of people, like, law school in BC. Like, is there a reason for that? I think, for me personally, the reason I applied to BC was because I'm from Nova Scotia. So I felt like <laughs> I don't think I could handle living in Ontario with no ocean. So yeah. that was kind of the draw for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, like, law schools in Canada... They're all pretty good. Like, I know in the States, if you look, like, they're all ranked, and they're ranked very, like, specifically of, like, these are the top 14, and then these are, this is the top 20, and it's, like, a very big deal, whereas Canada, it's not as big of a deal. Um, Also, really, where you decide to go, a lot of it depends on where you want to work. So if you know you want to work in BC, it probably makes more sense to go to a law school in BC because you're you're going to be already in the place where those employers are recruiting and yeah. you can go to like little mixers or like a tour of the firm or all those things. Mm-hmm. So it just depends. If you don't know where you want to work, it doesn't matter. Like you can go wherever. I know people in my class are from BC and they're planning to um, work in BC, but we do have firms from BC come to Dow to recruit for those jobs. Okay. Same with like Toronto and Ottawa and Calgary. Um but yeah, I don't think there's really like a bad choice. I think it just depends on what kind of work you want to do, where you want to work, um, and if you just have like a preference for where you want to live. So are certain law schools better for certain like types of law then? Um, if you have certain... I don't... Not necessarily. I know a lot of people, like I think certain schools will have different like specializations or certificates like Dow has a marine law institute so I know there's a lot of people in my class that are really interested in that so that's why they came to Dow there's also like a law and tech certificate and a health law certificate at Dow which I'm really interested in Mm -hmm. Um, but I know like University of Victoria has like a big environmental law program so some people are really drawn to that Um, U of T has a lot of focus on corporate law so a lot of people that want to work on Bay Street might want to go to U of T (laughs) Um, that being said, there's lots of people in Dow Law that go and work on Bay Street. Um, you don't have to work, go to U of T to, to do that. So, um, but yeah, just, it just depends, but there are certain kind of little areas the school might be, have a bigger focus on, or might have a couple professors that you really Mm -hmm. are like interested in the work they're doing. And maybe Mm -hmm. that would draw someone to go there. But in general, I think it's. Yeah. doesn't matter too much. I have a question about criminal law, because you haven't said that yet, I don't think. I don't yeah. know if that's how... Like, do you know anyone with an interest in that? Have you, like, talked about that yet? Like, are yeah. you interested in it at all? Um, I really like criminal law. I'm in the class right now, and I, I find it really interesting. I do have a friend, and he's really interested in doing um, criminal law, like being a prosecutor. Um, cool. So that's cool. You That's when you work for the government, so you are the person that's... Um, like if someone is being accused of a crime, oh, okay. that's the lawyer that has to prove that they did the crime. And then they have the person that 
may or may not have done the crime has their own lawyer and that's like the defense attorney so a prosecutor would be the person working for the government to try and prove that they're guilty cool um but yeah so that's pretty cool um those jobs are i think they're hard to get but they're just different um in the way like the hiring for them i think is different and it's like through the government so it's like a whole mm-hmm. different like, process but I'm sorry not to cut you off no no are there different classes for like so there's defense lawyers and then there's all these other type of lawyers that i don't know because i'm actually useless in this um but like <laughs> is there like a defense lawyer class a prosecutor lawyer class a um intellectual property class yeah so in your first year, everyone takes all the same classes. Um, so like right now, me and everyone else in 1L, we're all in all of the same courses. But once you're in second year and third year, you can pick whatever courses you want. Um, and you don't need to like major in something. Like you don't specialize in anything unless you want to take one of the, the certificates. So there's like a business law certificate. So then they say, if you take like these eight classes throughout your degree, you can get the certificate. But you're free to take whatever classes you want. Um, but they do have, all the classes are like specific areas of law. So there is an intellectual property law class. There's, I'm assuming, probably a criminal defense, or there might be a criminal defense class. I know there's classes like criminal procedure. So that would be like how a criminal court, like the procedure of criminal court. Um, there's environmental law. There's, oh, what else? administrative law, there's <laughs> evidence, like lots of different yeah. um, courses in different areas, but just because you don't, so say just because you didn't take family law in law school doesn't mean you can't be a family lawyer. Okay. Like doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're interested in being a family lawyer, taking family law might look good on your job application <laughs> yeah. to get the job, and if you have a good grade in the course, that might make you like a better candidate but it's not you don't have to take it Mm -hmm. how many classes are you in right now like per semester right now i'm in six classes (laughs) oh that's a lot it's always is it always six classes so this semester it's so it's five classes that i go to like monday to thursday um so i have three classes monday wednesday two classes tuesday thursday and then we have one class called legal research and writing so that's every Friday, but it's kind of stopped at this point. Um, and then we just have like a final big paper due in March. Um, but those five classes we have like all the time. And then we've had um, a few kind of intensive two or three day courses also sprinkled in across both semesters. So we have a class called Aboriginal Indigenous Law and Context. So we took that first semester. And then we also had an intensive version of that class this semester where we had presentations. Mm-hmm. Um, we had legal ethics last semester, so then we didn't have any other classes that week, and we just had one week of legal ethics. So we do have like a couple other courses, but it's really five big ones happening, mm-hmm. and then that writing class that we have. That's cool, though. Cool. It's not like always the same thing every week, day in, day out. That's yeah. nice. Um, so speaking as people that are coming from doing the same thing every single day, <laughs> day in, day out, and you've definitely been there, um, how have you maintained your work-life balance or like going staying sane in school because you obviously like it you're (laughs) you've been in it for a while yeah so i think one of the big things because it's one of those things where you could always be doing something there's always something that you could be doing so i think realizing when to stop for the day and like when enough enough is enough that day (laughs) is really important 
um, I mentioned like readings before class are something that's really important to do and mm-hmm. to show up to class prepared. So I've kind of realized that doing the readings for the week on the weekend before is really beneficial because then when I get home from school on the weekdays, I can just focus on, oh, like I'll go back and fix up my notes for today or I'll make my notes for exam prep for that class today or I'll work on one of those little assignments we have thrown in like throughout the weeks and I'm not worried about having to sit down and do like three hours of reading when I come home because it just feels like very daunting Mm -hmm. if I'm like, oh, like I'm kind of tired today or I want to go to the gym or my friends are going out to dinner and I want to go. So I think trying to get the readings done on the weekend to free up those weekdays mm-hmm. um, has been a big one. And also, like, getting the readings done on the weekend doesn't mean sitting in your apartment <laughs> all weekend not doing anything. I think it's just, like, better utilizing the weekend daytime. Because mm-hmm. for me, I tend to just kind of put around the house and, like, make lunch, and then, oh, maybe I'll clean up, and <laughs> I'll go grab a coffee, and then it's been, like, six hours. So, like, focusing during the daytime on the weekends, I think, has been a game changer. That's really good, yeah. <laughs> I literally did that yesterday. It's <laughs> such a high level. Um, we've asked lots of questions. Yeah. Do you have any left? left? Yeah, I do. Okay, one more. Okay, so, um, this is just, like, an all-around question okay. as someone who's been in school for, like, a long time. Um, if you could, like, if you had a few things to say or just one thing to say to, like, younger students about to, like, embark on their professional school, a master's degree, like, school journey. Okay. If you have any, like, advice to, like, stay sane or, like, do well or, like... Anything that, yeah. Yes, okay. Like, absolutely anything. Um, I think I have, like, maybe two things. So the first would be to not like tie yourself down to one idea of what you want to do and feel like you need to follow through with it for the sake of following through. So, I mean, I went into undergrad thinking I wanted to go to med school. And I think if I had forced myself to follow through with that because, you know, I told my parents I wanted to do that, I told my friends, and then I was almost, you know, don't be embarrassed to change your mind. Um, It's totally okay. We're young. Like, I... I'm on my third degree. I don't feel (laughs) old. I feel still young and I have like lots of time to figure things out. So don't feel like you can't change your path and don't feel like it's too late to make a change. Um, So that's probably one. I think my second one is to work smarter, not harder. Um, I figured this out in undergrad and it's honestly been life changing. Like, coming to the realization that just because you sit down and you study for 10 hours doesn't mean that that's, like, an effective 10 hours. Mm-hmm. And you, if you had an effective two-hour study session, that that's okay. Mm-hmm. And, like, realizing that just because someone else is studying for longer doesn't mean that you have to spend that time. If you got it quicker or if you felt like you understood the concept... Don't feel like you need to spend all of your time like chained to your desk just because everyone else is. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think like comparing yourself to the habits of other people can kind of, I don't know, it's, I think it's unnecessary. I think if what you're doing works for you, don't let the fact that you think other people are doing more kind of hold you back from doing other things with your time, mm-hmm. going for a walk or hanging out with your friends or just like 
having some you time and watching TV. <laughs> like, that's totally okay. Um, and everyone's, everyone's doing their own thing. Everyone works at a different pace. Um, so don't let comparing yourself to other people's habits kind of get you down. I feel like that's exactly what I needed to hear right now. <laughs> like, I'm so literally like, wow, this is the best advice I've ever had. <laughs> I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, before we wrap things up, do you have anything anything else you want to say? Anyone else? No. no, that was... Well, thank you for coming. This was an awesome episode. Thanks for yeah. having me. This was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're so happy to have you, and thank you for coming and taking the time. Oh, my gosh, and no worries. We wish you all the luck on your future endeavors. Yes, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys ever need um, your, your inventions patented or I don't even know what maybe in like three to four years maybe I can help you out yeah. <laughs> you know who to call okay and if you're if you're listening to this after the fact that we recorded this and uh, well actually you're only gonna listen to after we recorded <laughs> but if, you, if you're listening to this and you feel like you have any other questions we can definitely get you in touch with uh, Andrea or at least forward them to her and then yeah for sure yeah. I'll harass her for her, her email. Also, guys, we're um, applying for the Impact Awards. Yeah. Um, I'll send you guys out the information. It's on the Instagram. I mean, if you guys like what we're doing and you think we've made an impact, <laughs> nominate us. Um, please. Please. And also fill the forms. Always fill the forms. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>